Are you thankful for cleansing blood? Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Washed away. Washed away. My guilt and shame. And now I'll never be the same. Amen. I am so thankful for what I feel. Thank you, praise team. My, what an awesome job they have done this morning. Praise God. I hope you're as amped up about Easter Sunday as I am. I've been awake since about 3.15. Didn't drink any caffeine or nothing. I've just been pumped up about service today. Praise God. I begged the Lord to help me preach about the resurrection like I've never preached about it before. Amen. You can be seated for just a moment. So good to have so many of our guests. And I would be remiss if I didn't take a moment and say how good it is to see Jill home and her family, part of her family is here today so thankful they could be in town they've moved to far off California and we miss them greatly but we're glad they're here and so many others thank you for being here, I think my sister is here, I love my sister just a word about the offering The offering is due the end of May, so you have until the end of May to pay it. And there's other cards that are available. If you didn't get one, pick one up and let's do something for our children. It's a great cause and it goes for all the good things that we all believe in. Amen. Well, you're in a Pentecostal church today and we don't apologize for that. Praise God. I'm glad I have liberty to worship the Lord and we're going to do that. What a great spirit, presence of the Lord. But I have to tell you, when I left the house this morning really early, I almost ran over a rabbit. And uh, it flashed into my mind, and I know my wife's going to shoot me for this after it's over, but I'm going to say it anyway. I remember hearing about this guy. He was driving down a country road, and a rabbit jumped out, and he tried his best to swerve and miss it, but, man, he ran right over it. He was terrified. He jumped pulled his car over, jumped out, ran back, and he, oh, Lord. Well, another lady saw it, so she pulls in behind him, and and, uh, she comes up and says, what's wrong? Oh, I I think I've killed the bunny, and I think this is the Easter bunny. She said, don't worry, don't worry. She ran back to her car, popped a trunk, reached in, got a can, come running up, sprayed something on that rabbit. It popped back up. It ran off a few feet and turned around and waved. Ran off another yard or two and turned around and waved. Ran another mile and turned back and waved. And he said, what in the world was that? He said, oh, it's hairspray. It says, restores life to dead hair and leaves a permanent wave. Yeah. Praise God. I'll have to put up with something on the way from home today, but that's all right. That was worth telling. Amen. I I liked having fun at church. I think you can laugh. I don't think you're supposed to be dead and dry. He gave me life. He didn't give me death. That's why I can't figure out why so many churches have no life in them. They're afraid of life. We're not afraid of life around here. We even call ourselves that. Amen. Amen. Well, It's time for the word. My time is going to be limited. 
Whew, I hope I can stay on track because I am amped right now. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You can stand with me if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And uh, I know that if you were here Wednesday night, Brother Starks used this portion of Scripture, but I'm going to use it again because it speaks so powerfully of what I feel the Lord has talked to me about through this week. If you have a Bible, read it from your Bible. If not, it's before you. But I want you to read along with me. He said, now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching in vain and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ whom He raised not up if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, Your faith is in vain. You are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen. I'm thankful he put that verse in there. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept? For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. And everybody said amen. Praise God. I want to talk to you this morning about the implications of the resurrection. And by that I mean what does his resurrection suggest? What does it offer? What does it allege? What does it declare? What does it contend to be true? What does it whisper in hope to us? What kind of power does it display? What kind of result come out of what he did that day? And what kind of force is available for your life and mine? And what significance does it have to my life right here and now? Somebody say the implications of the resurrection. You may be seated. Praise God. There is no more exciting news in all the world than the words that were spoken by the angels to some troubled and confused women who came to a tomb to offer their 
their worship in the form of bringing incense until they arrived to find that the stone had been rolled away and there were angels that declared, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen as he said. Thank you, Brother Clyde T., for that song. He said it. He did it. He says it. He still does it. You can count on it. When God gives a word, you can stake your life on it coming true. Someone has asked, why don't you have a program on Easter Sunday? And my question is, program? Why do you need a program when you've got the greatest thing that's ever happened on earth to talk about? I don't know how in the world you could top it with a program. Why not just preach it? Amen. How can you do better than fear not? For I know that you seek Jesus whom was crucified. Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here. He is not here. He is risen. To me, there's no greater story in all the world than that. But it's more than just a story. It is a reality today. Amen. A pastor was attempting one day to tell his children on the way to service about what the sermon was going to be about that day. And they said, uh, well, uh, the preacher is going to preach about Jesus coming back from the dead, being raised from the dead, just like he told them uh, he, he would be. And, and uh, so uh, the, the little girl in the back seat said, Will he be at church today? And I thought, Lord, I sure hope you show up today. But you know what? I don't have to worry about it because he is here right now. And he is alive forevermore. Amen. A pastor was attempting to tell the resurrection story to a bunch of children in his sermon. And he asked the question, What were Jesus' first words to the disciples after he was raised from the dead? And before he was able to even give them an answer, a young girl stuck her hand up, I know, I know, I know. And he said, well, little Susie, what did he say? What were those first words? And she said, (laughs) ta-da! I think she got the essence of what he said when he came out. Hey, devil, look at this. You couldn't stop it. You couldn't keep it from happening. Aren't you thankful the tomb is empty today? Aren't you thankful he's alive today? Amen, amen, amen. The pyramids of Egypt are famous because they contain the mummified bodies of an ancient Egyptian king. And Westminster Abbey is popular because of its renown of having housed the bodies of English most noble and notable citizens. Mohammed's tomb contains a stone coffin and bones that are therein. And the Taj Mahal was built to be a memorial to the wife of India's Shah. And Arlington Cemetery is built and designed 
to be a revered place where we honor those in America of outstanding character. And the grave is empty today. And we celebrate that emptiness more than any full thing on the face of the earth. And I am thankful today that I know he lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me. He talks with me. He tells me that I am his own. Amen. Can you tell I'm excited about Easter today? Amen. I wish you could get excited with me because this is an awesome day. Now, I know that this is just another day to most people, but it's not to me. Praise God. It's a marvelous day because you see the resurrection was not an event in history. It is the event of all ages. The event of all ages. As wonderful and grand as creation was and as marvelous as the mysteries of life are, And as unbelievably wonderful his incarnation, it was his resurrection that made everything worthwhile. All of these are eclipsed and surpassed by the simple fact that he arose on that third day just like he said he would. Read it. It's in the book. I said it's in the book. Hey. If you can believe those other books, you ought to believe this book because this is the book of all books. Amen. And I'm glad that I know he lives. I want you to listen to what Paul defines as my problem and your problem because if God had just created a world and put all of its mysteries in it and if he had just come as a man, my problem would have still been the same. I was a broken down sinner by my very nature. And Paul defines it like this in Romans 5. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Death reigned from Adam to Moses even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. For if through the offense of one many be dead, for if one man's offense death reigned by one, by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners. That was our condition. That is some people's condition even now. And that condition is very clear. My sins separated me from my creator and there was no way for me to bridge that gap. There was no way somebody needed to come who had the ability to pay a debt of sin that had accrued over my life that I could not pay. And Galatians 4, Paul said, and in the fullness of time, When it was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that are under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. But the resurrection, my friend, it changed everything. I said the resurrection changed everything. Amen. Dr. Joseph Hartunian, who is a 
renowned professor at McCormick Theological Seminary came to America many years ago from Armenia. One day a well-meaning staff member came to him and said, Sir, your name is too difficult to pronounce. It's too hard to spell. It's going to hurt your professional career. Why don't you change your name to Harwood or Harwell or something similar that would be easier to spell and easier to write and pronounce? And the man returned this and said, Well, what does that name mean? What do you mean, what does it mean? Well, what do those names mean? Harwell and Hargood and all of those others. He said, well, they mean nothing, but they would just be easier to remember. He said this, he said, in Armenia, when my grandfather was baptized, they named him Hartunian, which means resurrection. Therefore, I am a son of resurrection and that is never going to change. Are there any sons and daughters of the resurrection in this place today? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I want you to listen. We're going to go through some scriptures real quick so they're going to put them on the screen for you. But Listen to a conversation between Martha and Jesus concerning the death of their brother Lazarus. In in John chapter uh, 11 beginning around verse number 20. And I'm reading from the Passion Translation. And when Martha heard that Jesus was approaching the village, she went out to meet them. And uh, she uh, left Mary there in the house. And the next verse said, Martha said to Jesus, My Lord, if only you had come sooner, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that if you were to ask God for anything, he would do it for you. Jesus told her, Your brother will rise and live. And she replied, yes, I know this. He will rise with everyone else on resurrection day. Jesus said, Martha, listen to me. Don't you know, you don't have to wait until then. You don't have to wait until then. Why? Because I am the resurrection. I am the life of anyone who clings to me in faith, even though he dies, will live forever. And the one who lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Hallelujah. Oh, when I read that this week, I got excited. You don't have to wait any longer. There's life in this building today. I said there's abundant life in this building today. What is interesting in this passage is that the word resurrection comes from an Aramaic word which is related linguistically to the name of Noah. It is connected to Noah which simply means that Noah was symbolic of a resurrected life that out of the flood... He became the life giver to future generations and he became a type in in, in fashion of what the Lord would be. And so when the word resurrection is used, 
it refers not to just life, but it refers to a superior life, a life above all life. For life itself can be defeated and life itself can end, but resurrection overcomes every obstacle. Resurrection overcomes every obstacle. Life is, has the power to only exist, but resurrection is the power to conquer all, even death itself. No wonder Paul would say in Philippians 3 and 10, for my determined purpose is that I may know him to become more deeply acquainted, intimately acquainted with him, that I may in that same way come to know the power overflowing, outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts on the believer. There is a power that comes from what he accomplished and it flows into our lives and that's what we have sensed in this service today. Hey, those goosebumps were not because the air conditioner's on. Those goosebumps are because the King of kings and the Lord of lords is in this building. The one who came out of the grave back then is walking in this place right now. Praise God. I love the story of a British minister in the mid-1950s. His name was W.E. Sangster. He began to lose his voice and mobility in the mid-1950s. He had a disease that caused progressive muscular atrophy. He recognized that his end was near, and so he threw himself into writing and praying. And in the midst of his suffering, he pleaded with God, let me stay in the struggle, Lord. I don't mind if I can no longer be a general, but give me just a regiment to lead. Sangster's voice eventually failed him and his legs became useless. And on Easter morning, just a few weeks before his death, he took a pen and shakily wrote his daughter a letter and in it he said, It is terrible to wake up on Easter morning and have no voice with which to shout, He is risen. (laughs) But it would be still more terrible to have a voice and not say it. I wonder if there's anybody that's got a voice in this building today, and for just a moment you can shout out, He is risen. Say it again, He is risen. Clap your hands to the Lord and give it to Hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah. Woo. He is alive. That's why I'm alive today. So I'm hurrying. So what are the implications of the resurrection? Number one, and this is not by any means a full list of things, but I have three of them. Three implications of the resurrection. Number one, the resurrection deals a blow to all impossibilities. All impossibilities. They came early. 
before the sun came up while it was yet dark. But the question in their mind was, who shall roll away the stone? For it was great. Oh, but when they got there, God had already taken care of that impossibility. I'm here to tell you this morning that that's one of the greatest truths of the resurrection is that God has dealt with all of the impossibilities that you and I as human beings will ever face in our life and we should not be intimidated by them but know that through Christ all things are possible that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Why? Because he overcame death and hell and all of that other junk he had to put up with and he proved to me that there are no impossibilities. Nothing. Somebody say nothing Nothing. is too great for him. No situation, no problem, no circumstance, no problem, no situation, no circumstance. Hear me. Hey, if he could reverse the curse, don't you think he could reverse your problems? I said there was a curse on your life. There was a curse on my life. I was doomed, but he reversed that curse. And if he could reverse that curse, why can't he come into my life and reverse those circumstances that I'm going through right now? I can tell you that a resurrected Lord can do that. boy was sitting in class one day and the teacher asked him what do you want to be when you grow up you want to be a fireman or you want to be a lawyer one little boy raised his hand he said I want to be possible possible what do you mean by possible I want to be possible well what do you mean by possible he said all my life My mother's always telling me that I am impossible. And so I want to get to a place in my life where I am possible. I've got news for you. That's what the resurrection does for my life. It makes things possible. Yeah, I said it makes things possible. There's nothing too hard for God. I wish somebody would lift up their problem right now and say, God, this is not too hard for you. Because that's what your resurrection tells me. Number two, oh, I gotta hurry. The second implication of the resurrection is suggested by what Peter said in his first letter in the New Testament. Look at First Peter chapter one, verses three through five in the message translation. He said, What a God we have. Can somebody say amen? amen. What a God we have, and how fortunate we are to have him this father of our master Jesus, because Jesus was raised from the dead. We've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. (laughs) And the future starts now. I want you to let that soak in your mind because I'm fixing to reveal what it means to you. 
The future starts now. Somebody say it. The future starts now. Amen. The future starts now. Amen. Because I have his life in me. Death cannot win in my life. Listen to me. Even if death touches my life, it cannot hold my life. Because my life is held by the resurrected Lord. And my life is in the hands of one who came out of the grave. And because he came out of the grave, he said, you that believe in me will come out of your grave as well. Even if it touches me, even if they roll a stone over the grave, even if they pile six feet of dirt on top of me, listen at this. Do you know what six feet of dirt weigh on a six by three by six foot deep hole? 13,200 pounds. That's dry dirt. If it's wet dirt. Now I want to ask you. How many of you men can press 300 pounds? Come on. We're not going to brag. If you can do it, raise your hand. I'm not one of them. I don't have my hands up. I barely got my hundred and... Well, it's a little more than a hundred. But 13... pounds of dirt laying on top of my body when that trump sounds the Bible said that the dead in Christ shall rise first I'm just here to tell you there is nothing that can hold you down because of what he did at the resurrection so that's why we don't fear death That's why we can stare death in the face and say, you don't intimidate me any longer. Listen to what Paul said in Hebrews. Jesus didn't just defeat death. You know, we read this scripture and, 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 and we read it that he destroyed death. No. Listen to what he said. Hebrews 2, 14. For as much then... As the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. That through death, that through death, that through death, he might destroy not death, but him that had the power of death. Who had the power of death? Satan, the devil had the power of death. And so the reason Jesus came was not just to defeat death. He wanted to go for the culprit that started all of it. He was going after the one that began all of this death stuff. And the Bible says he defeated him and he made a show of him. Amen. And now you and I are delivered who through fear of death were all of our lifetimes subject to bondage, but not any longer. I have lost a mother. I have lost a father. I have lost my oldest brother and my sister-in-law. 
I've lost my father-in-law. I've lost my mother-in-law. I've lost my grandmother. But I tell you, I really didn't lose them. They just went on to sleep. You know, that's why the Lord, when he talked about death, he didn't talk about it like you and I talk about it. We talk about death like it's the end. You know what he called death? Sleep. He said, Lazarus is sleeping. What's wrong with sleep? I mean, some of us really like to do that. I didn't get much of it last night, but I do like to sleep. But he said, they're just asleep. Why? Because of what he did when he came out of the grave. What he did to death. He broke the hold. He broke the fear, the bondage. So whoever you have lost, they're not really lost because we know where they are and we really know where they're going. And one of these days, there's going to be a sound that's going to wake them and there's going to be a reunion. You ought to praise him today. I'm gonna, I, this, this is going to blow your mind here. First Peter chapter 3, verse 18, 19. The Bible says that when he went into the grave, he did something. For Christ also hath once suffered for sin, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. Now, my question is, what did he preach? Now, let me help you understand who the spirits first were. The spirits first that are referred there are the spirits of darkness and hell. And so the Lord went down into hell and he got up at hell's pulpit and he said, Hey, boys, I've got news for you. I now own the keys to this place. Yeah. You say, I don't believe that. Go ahead and read your Bible. The Bible says that Jesus made a show of him openly, triumphant over him. And the word in the Greek indicates that somebody has been stripped down naked. And so in his own domain, Jesus stripped the devil naked and said now what do you think about that boys <laughs> what are you going to do about that devil and when he came out he came preaching to the dead from the past before Calvary and he preached to them Abraham and Isaac that your faith was not in vain that those of you that lived in faith and everything you did pointed toward this day I'm just here to tell you whatever you lived for was worth holding on to because here I am I am triumphant and I am alive to prove that what you did was not in vain amen he made a show of them openly Lastly, praise team, come on back. You know what? That's a good indication sometimes. But it's also like a preacher looking at his watch. That doesn't usually mean very much. My third implication of the resurrection. And this is the one I've been most excited about. To me, perhaps the most important implication of the resurrection is this. That all failures, all flops, 
all losers, all washouts, all disappointments, all duds, all of those that have fallen in life, and not once, but multiple times. The resurrection is the assurance of this one thing, that he rose from the grave so that you and I could have a second chance. Oh, yeah. What did he say to those after he had risen? He said, go meet me in Galilee. And by the way, tell Peter to come to you. You see, if there had been no resurrection, Peter would have been just like Judas. Now, I am personally of the opinion that if Judas could have just lasted until resurrection day, there might have been a different outcome. But the devil convinced him there's no hope. I don't know what caused Peter to hold on other than this. Jesus looked at him one day and said, Simon, Satan desires to have you, to sift you as wheat. But this is what I want you to hold on to. I have prayed for you that you fail not. What a great prayer. I said, what a great prayer. But I've got news for you. He didn't stop there. He said, I have prayed that your faith fail not and when thou art converted strengthen the brethren I've come to tell everybody in this building the greatest news to me concerning the resurrection is that this mess up you're looking at right now this mistake this broken down heap of a man has been given second chances over and over and over in his life and I'm still being offered those chances why because somebody came out of a grave one day to bring a message back to me that I was worth saving I'm worth saving. I was worth him giving his life for. Are there any flops in the building today? Are there any former mess ups in the building today? Are there any former failures, broken down, let down, collapsed, flops in the house? Are there any former washouts, rejects? If anybody in this building has ever been given a second chance, I want you to stand to your feet right now. That proves my point. You prove my point right now. That the reason he came out of the grave 
was so that I could have a second chance. He came out so I could be whole. He came out so I could live again. That's why I'm excited. That's why I can't contain myself today. Why? Because he lives inside of me. He breathed into my life when I was dead in sin. And he breathed life back into me. Praise God. So why does the resurrection matter to me? It matters because I have a past that I need to be forgiven of. And it means that I have a present that I don't always know what to do with and know how to manage. And it means sometimes I'm not certain about the future. But he said, hey, I got it. I have you. You're going to make it because I'm the God of second chances. I'm the God of third chances. I'm the God of fourth chances. You say, how far can you go? Well, I'm not encouraging you to fail this morning, but when Peter was asking him about forgiveness and he said, do I forgive him seven times? He said, oh, Peter, you really have fallen short. Seven times 70. Oh, so if if he's telling Peter, that's what Peter's got to do. Would he ask anything of me that he hadn't already done over and over again? That's why I'm so excited today. That's why I can't wait to lift my voice and praise to him one more time. That's why I'm so excited because he lives and he lives to prove that I am of worth. I am of value. Come on. Let him sing with us right now. Yes, he did. You You came came and changed my life. 